Hello and welcome to The A-List, the podcast that asks the world's top advertising professionals how they got started in the business. I'm Tom Chrisman, freelance writer available now at tomchrisman.net and also co-dean and professor at Ad House Advertising School. About a month ago, I got to talk to George Tannenbaum, former copy chief and executive creative director on IBM at Ogilvy and current Ad House professor. GeorgeTannenbaum.com is where you'll find a link to George's blog, Ad Aged, which is required reading for anyone interested in the daily musings of a really talented writer and thinker. We begin with George's first in-house job writing copy for the Montgomery Ward catalog. We talk about the importance of craft and working well with others. We learn about mnemonics and collaborative agitators. George gives a little taste of his Ad House class with tips and tricks you can use right now to make better advertising. I think you're really going to like it. But first, I have to tell you about Ad House Advertising School, where you get 10 weeks of classes with an A-list teacher like George Tannenbaum for just 600 bucks. We have six classes in session right now, and more are coming in the fall. And we have lots of other great stuff coming your way too, so sign up at adhousenyc.com and be the first to know about the stuff we have planned. That's adhousenyc.com. My talk with George uh, went a little long, but it's great, so I didn't edit it much. And uh, which means I'll shut up now and let you enjoy my talk with George Tannenbaum. Come on, I can't hear you. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. <laughs> How are you? Can you can you see me? Because I, I have this. I sit at a. I, don't, I never sit at a desk. No, so I, I love I love this spot. This is my favorite I, spot to write in with you. Okay. <laughs> so I, I give a lot of people forehead. Whenever whenever I'm whenever I'm imagining myself writing something, I'm sitting here on your lap. <laughs> Naturally, naturally. <laughs> How are I'm, you? I'm good. How are you, George Tannenbaum? I'm I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. Yeah, it's it's uh, a little. It, these are weird times. Yeah, you're yeah. telling me. Yeah, I just went for a walk in nature, and it was lovely. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, my wife and I are out usually, uh, you know, around seven in the morning, and it's yeah. it's we're up here in the middle of Connecticut, so it's beautiful here. Is that, is that where you're hiding out right now? Yeah, yeah, in uh, a town called Old Saybrook. Yeah. I call it the Gingham Coast. Um, <laughs> is it the Gingham Coast? Yeah, it's, it's a little, uh, you know, she-she. Yes, it's a little waspy up there. Yeah, a little, a little, um, all of the girls used to play field hockey. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all the boys play soccer and lacrosse. Yeah, naturally, yeah. Uh, so, Hey, this is so exciting. Uh, Likewise, I get, to, yeah. get to do an A-list podcast that I've been looking forward to for so long. Oh, good. Um, I'm flattered. And I'm recording flattered. now. Okay. Uh, so, so what I usually start with, uh, you're George Tannenbaum. Yes, uh, I am. Your, your LinkedIn profile says ex Ogilvy chief, ex Ogilvy copy chief. That's right. Uh, and you are now freelance and you're teaching at ad house uh and you're you're doing good business but where did you where did you start where did george tannenbaum uh first realize he was george tannenbaum <laughs> probably about six weeks ago um <laughs> you know i started um making money typing um believe it or not in 1980 it was actually it was actually i have a near photographic memory for dates and it was actually 40 years ago today may 19th 1980 Honest to goodness. No way. Honest to, I just realized this when you asked the question. I, I remembered May 19th, uh, but I, 
this was the day I, I began work. Wow, and where? What was? What were you doing that day? This that is it's, it, it's kind of crazy. Uh, it it just shows you how you know how they said during kind of like the nine the eighteen during Napoleon's time. <laughs> armies, the way armies fought was actually closer to Roman times than it was to World War One. Right. So I have a feeling like during the 1980s, this is early 80s, the yeah. world was actually closer to like 1900 than it is to 2020. Yeah. Because I was graduating from college. Um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I figured I would work for a year and then continue uh, graduate school. I wanted to be an English professor. Oh, wow. Um, Where were you in college? I was at Columbia. So I was just, I was just up the street um, in New York at 116th Street. And it was a different era up there. It was, it was a little wild and woolly. Yeah. And, um, and so I said, well, I'll, I'll get a job for like uh, a year and, and I'll apply to school and I'll do this. Or my parents wanted me to go to law school. I applied for two jobs. Um, I had never had a proper job before. You know, I worked at an amusement park. I worked at a liquor store. So I applied for two jobs. The first one was at Paragon Sporting Goods. Uh, uh, on, on 23rd or? or uh, 18th, yeah. 18th, yeah. Yeah, in the, in the shoe department because yeah. uh, I was a runner. Um, and then the second, um, I went through the Times. Remember, they had that big, thick, help-wanted section. Yeah. And I went through the Times, and there was a job for a copywriter at the Mo Montgomery Ward catalog on um, – 393 7th Avenue, um, you know, right across from uh, the garden uh, or Penn Station, whatever. Yeah. Um, and they gave me a test, you know, uh, a type a kind of combination typing copy test. Like I had to look at a spec sheet and write a piece of copy. I'd never written copy before. Yeah. And I passed it. I had passed the test and they told me right then and there, they offered me the job. Um, oh. And I made, I was making, uh, they offered me $11,700, which wow. was 225 a week. And I was, all right, well, I'll do that. And um, I did that for, you know, a couple of years. That's how I started kind of getting. And 225 a week, that was enough to have an apartment and all that stuff? You know, it was. You know, it's there were times. Now, right? They give you just yeah. enough. Yeah, I mean, they were, there were times like I had to go into, you know, my spare change drawer yeah. to, get, to get food. But um, I think my rent was pretty – I mean, when I was living in Columbia Housing, I was paying $90 a month in rent. Wow. So, you, you know, I got by. Right. Um, and then, you know, your salary goes up, blah, blah, blah. I, 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 yeah. Raises actually were better then yeah. than they are now. And then, you know, I took a class at SVA. Um, so that was after you, so you got this job at Montgomery Ward. Yeah. Just, just because I could type copy. basically. Yeah. You, you were basically writing like, uh, uh, catalog copy. Yeah. And, and, you know, it was, it was in a way it's kind of training. I, I'm not sure that people get anymore because, okay. because you had to learn about deadlines. You had to learn about accuracy. And then in a sense, you had a ton of client contact when you were 21 because like a shoe buyer would say, you know, I have, you, you know, I'm running, 
I have a, I have three, four pages in the catalog. Yeah. And these are the items I want on the page. Yeah. And these are the four shoes I want featured. And these are the, I mean, just think of kind of a catalog page. It's got a big rectangle and three little rectangles beneath it. Yeah. And each one has to have copy. And this style shoe, this slingback has six colors and 21 sizes. And, you yeah. know, this sandal has this. And so you had to get all that information. You had to write it accurately. Yeah. You had to do it. So this is pre-computer. Um, so you had, so that was client contact. And then you had to kind of do what we, what they call the paste up, believe it or not. You had to take a big piece of oak tag and say for your art director, yeah, four shoes go here, two go here, three go here, four go here. The facing page, three go here, two go here, two go here, two go here. Yeah. And this is how much copy I reckon I need. You know, uh, seven lines at 44 characters times five. Yeah. I remember and, copy counting in college when I went to FIT. Okay. And I got out in 92. So that was still like something like, you know, to get an accurate copy count, you count one line and then you count how many lines there are. Right. And you right. Sort of, you sort of uh, estimate, you know? Yeah. I mean, we were, we used typewriter, you know, we worked on typewriters and the, and the copy paper had lines down the side, you know, so, uh, for double space down to 25 and then uh across the page it had character counts in five. Oh wow so if you were smart you would you would say well my art director's doped out the page and i have for this slingback shoe i have seven lines of 44 characters so you take a pencil and you draw it down the page of 44 characters yeah and you go you got seven lines you have to fill that space yeah. You don't screw around. So, yeah. you know, it gave you like a certain amount of discipline, um, which I thought was, was, was pretty good today sometimes. And uh, I'm being, I guess, ageist today sometimes. You know, somebody will say, um, you have to do a LinkedIn post, it's 400 characters. Yeah. People have no idea how to do that. Or, you know, visually, if somebody tells you, somebody says, Tom, write a TV commercial. You're not counting words. Right. Not, you know how long it looks. Well, yeah, I, 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 I figured out pretty early that the way that I spaced out my, my dialogue and, if, and, and my, I don't know, for some reason, one page is 30 seconds for, for the way that I format the page. Right, uh, right. So, yeah, yeah. So some of it is visual, but yeah. you, you really had to learn. Right. Um, yes. There was, I mean, when you first, your first radio scripts as a, as a writer are always like two minutes long and it's right. like, it's a 30. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I guess it was, it was terrific and uh, I didn't realize it back then, but it was terrific in a way because um, if you screwed up yeah, and you, and you couldn't really screw up, but if you screwed up, you screwed up a catalog page in the Montgomery Ward catalog. Yeah. Um, and by the time I left after about two years, wow. Um, I had probably done 500 pages of copy. So, yeah. you know, you, just, know that, uh, yeah, you would just get the shoes and the clothes yeah. and the toys and the whatever it was, yeah. write about them. And, and, and would yeah. you do some research on each one or would they just give you the spec sheet? And, and you know, sometimes, yeah, you know, you'd, it would be kind of like it's not the same sort of research if you were working on 
you know, a, a Turkish rug or something like that, you might want to find something about the area it came from just for right. a little interest. Because yeah. this is this is mass production. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, you look at a catalog today and it says, you know, hundred percent cotton shirt with uh embroidery. And you know, all right, that's enough. That's all I need to know. Uh, right. it wasn't like the Jay Peterman catalog. Right. Um, yeah, that's what I was you know, that, that romanced anything. It was really a utilitarian thing. Right. Um so I, I did, went from did sorry, did you feel like you were in advertising at that point? Or were no, you just like no. I have a job, I'm doing a thing, I'm uh, a uh, I, I had a night yeah, it, it you know, it was um well because I never really saw it as a career, you right. know, at, at that point. I knew this was just kind of marking time. Um, to, to yeah. Cool. yeah, and then you know, then when I decided to go to SVA, you know, I'd go to SVA and then in the evening, uh, you know, I, I would hang out with friends, play basketball or, you know, yeah. do something like that and then work on my book. And then, um, How did you know, to work on your book at that point, were, were there, were there, uh, were there people out there saying advertising, be a copywriter? Well, my father, pushing my, my father, my, my parents pushed me away from it because my father was in the business. And oh, he was okay. Yeah, so he, you know, he was kind of the. Where did he work? He worked at a defunct place called Kenyon and Eckhart. So Kenyon and Eckhart, probably a little bit before your time, if you're 90s, okay. Kenyon and Eckhart had been subsumed by Bozell. Oh, okay. Uh, in the late 80s, so it became Bozell, Jacobs, Kenyon and Eckhart. Kenyon and Eckhart was probably top 15 agency. They were actually in when my father worked there. They were actually in the Pan Am building. They had three oh, floors in the Pan Am building. So it was now the MetLife building, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, so it was, it was a, it was a big, I'd say, firm that was able to avoid the creative revolution. <laughs> they, they never, <laughs> they, 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 they ne it didn't happen. Yeah. You know, so, mo you know, if you look at the old annuals, and I, I know you and I have shared some over the years, um, you know, just about every, every agency's, e even kind of like prosaic ones, yeah. um, would have an ad or two that would make it. If you remember, even like William Esty, which was two steps below like Bates and Gray in terms of creativity. Yeah. I'm not talking about effectiveness or anything like that. Yeah. William Esty had the famous commercial of uh, the Swedish girl, and she was a girl, I'm not being gendered, uh, shaving herself and saying, oh. men, take it off, take it all off. Oh, take and, it all off. Yeah, yeah, and it was, you know, it was a notorious ad. Everybody was trying to do a little creativity, a little notoriousness, I guess, for pitch sake. You know, I, right. I, and K&E &K did too. I'm, I'm being a little um, uh, mean. Uh, which is fine. Um, but, you know, it, nobody's going nobody's to get upset now. Yeah, it, it never reached that kind of level. They were subsumed by Bozell. And then I think they merged into, I think Bozell merged into SSCMB or Lintas, whatever it was. And then it just, it just disappeared. I guess there's still a Bozell outlet in uh, Omaha or something. Oh, really? But K&E is long gone. Uh, I mean, it's gone for, you know, 40 years. So, my parents always wanted to keep me away uh, and wanted me to go to law school. My father was kind of the, I, I was, I was saying I, I lost my train of thought, but my father was kind of the, 
the bad example of what happens to you in advertising in the madman days. You know, he had had a heart attack at 39, another one at 44. Wow. And was essentially pushed out in the early 50s, in, in his early 50s, not the yeah. early 50s. Right, right. So, he, I mean, he made a good living. Um, but, you know, it was all like, this is a, you know, a shark infested business. Right. And um, your listeners won't want to hear this, That, but the odds probably probably much like today in many ways, the odds are kind of stacked against creative people. Right. Because, because we have too much emotion in the game rather than um, we're just going to make our money and, you know, knife everyone else. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, notice I haven't cursed. Um, That's so good. I I would have said fucked everyone else, but I I decided not to. Um, Yeah. So self-control. Yeah. So I I went from, um, Montgomery Ward to Bloomingdale's. Oh, wow. And Bloomingdale's, that was a step up. Yeah. And because the Bloomingdale's, it's still up there on fifth. Yeah. Yeah. uh, And, and it was really the heyday of Bloomingdale's because, um, if you know anything about New York retail in the early eighties, Marvin Traub was running it. Bloomingdale's was like a destination. Yeah. It was, it was like, I'm trying to think, um, it was like a hangout place. It was, it was the place people went. It was, you know, people. Lunch, ladies who lunch went to Bloomingdale. It was more than that. It was, it was like a cool place. It was, you know, if you wanted to meet someone, you'd go to Bloomingdale's. And yeah. I'm trying to think of what kind of retail store it would be like now, but any hot store in Soho. And, you know, right. Marvin Traub was a supposedly a genius retailer. And he had hired a young man uh, called John Jay, who went on to, Wyden and Kennedy fame uh, as as a partner Wyden and Kennedy an early partner um, yeah. as a and a fantastic designer and I worked for John and that was another situation where literally you would do ten to fifteen full page newspaper ads a week right wow and uh, you know if you were a towel buyer. Yeah. You would say, well, I have these 100% cotton towels and, you know, usually they're seven ninety nine, and now they're four ninety nine, and you need to write an ad on that. Yeah. And, and a full page newspaper ad. Yeah. And it was like, okay, this is, you know, it's a living. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, a little office and, and a lot of uh, very attractive uh, women. It was mostly women and yeah. uh, it was fine. And then, you know, you keep working on your book. Uh, I kept working on my portfolio. So you're basically um, client side, like you were. Yeah, I was an early. <laughs> you were the you were at the in-house agency of. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, were they were they even thought of as in-house agencies then, or was it just like the art department at? It, it was it was it was it, it was the advertising department at Bloomingdale's. It was up on the eleventh floor. It was a little rabbit warren of small offices. I mean, literally the offices. Well, today they would be lavish, but in in those days they they were probably the size of a twin bed. Right. Um, you know, so you had a built-in desk and, and a little typing. T- Offices are coming back, George. That's, what's that's what I hear. That, that's what I hear. Uh, um, yeah. So, um, I, you know, I got a job there and it was, it was fine. Um, you know, it was, again, I didn't realize at the time what a terrific training ground it was Yeah, because I wasn't in many ways I learned 
to not be afraid of like a page. Like I have to fill this page. Right. Because you and, hundreds of times by then and you're yeah. just, yeah, that's no big deal. I can fill yeah. a page with, with whatever. Yeah. And, and, and of course, writing a real headline, you know, for a print ad is not the same as writing, you know, pure cotton towels, 50% off. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's much harder, much more demanding, but I, I knew basically how to do it. And without having any kind of formal training, yeah. you know, a lot of what, what we have to do in our business is, is learn to get along with people. I mean, there's a lot, there's a series of negotiations we have to deal with. We have to de- negotiate with our art director. We have to negotiate with a creative director. We have to negotiate with clients. You give a little, you get a little in putting an ad together. I mean, that's kind of how it works. Yeah. And what are you, when you say you're giving a little to get a little, what, what are you giving and what are you getting? In that I mean, the simplest way for me of saying is, you know, oftentimes, as you know, um, especially when you're on staff and, and, and have an account, let's say, or an ongoing relationship with an account person, you know, Sally will come to you and say, oh, the client is going absolutely crazy. Remember that ad I briefed you on yesterday? I need it tomorrow. Hmm. And, and you go, oh, Sally, you know, I just got it yesterday. Right. And she'll say, George, if you could do this, you know, it, it would really, really be helpful. And I'd say, well, well, that's fine, Sally. But you know what? How about we just do, we don't show five ads. We show three. Or, you know, so, so it's, it's, it's a little bit of you meet halfway. Or how about giving me an extra day and I'll give you full body copy. And <laughs> and, 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 you know what I mean? And, and, yeah. and, and you do little, I, I think those are little, yeah. Little kind of, I, I think that's a normal give and take that, that couples do that partners do right. that uh, partners that aren't creative partners do uh, yeah. where, where you, you, you say, sure, sure, sure. I'll come through. Um, help me out here. At least get me lunch. You know, and, and there's, you know, there's, there's, there's some uh, equation that gets fulfilled. Yeah. So, you know, you, you learn that I don't, no one teaches you that, I don't think. But it's responsibility, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it is in a way. You're basically saying my job is to do this, to make this thing, is to craft this piece of uh, communication. Your job, Sally, is to sell it and get the client and make him happy and make sure he's, he's taken care of. I I got to do my job right. So how do, yeah, I- how, how do we make this work? Yeah. And, and not every, let's say in this case, an account person, not every account person you have that relationship with, right. but the ones that, the ones that endure, uh, the ones that you really work well with, there's usually, they usually understand your strengths and your weaknesses. You understand their strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. And you play off each other. It strikes me that it, like, I, I came up in, uh, at Ogilvy Direct. I started at Ogilvy, oh, okay. when it was Ogilvy Direct, right? Right. Um, and uh, I always felt like, I, like your Montgomery Ward situation where you're just given all these, this copy that you basically just have to, you're being dictated and you just have yeah. to type it and you have to make it into sentences that link together, which is, right. which is you know, instead of bullet points, now it's like a human is talking to you. Right. Uh, I always felt like at the time I felt like this is wasted time. What am I doing? I'm such a loser. My friends are working at Goldsmith, Jeffrey, my friends are working, but um, 
but learning that stuff and not having the stakes be very high or not having the stakes be like, be creative now, you know, like right. having to just get a piece of copy to someone with the right word count, uh, the right timing. There's so much to that, that I almost feel like every copywriter should have to do a year or two of that where you're, you're not going to be creative in the next two years, just do your job and get it done. Like it's, it's. Well, it's probably, I've, I've never done this. Well, one summer actually, you know, this is back in probably the early seventies when summer jobs were slightly harder to get, I'd say than they were, there were no internships, but I did uh, aluminum siding. Yeah. Now, I know people it? make you sold it or you put it up. I put it up. Yeah. So part of it is they have this big machine that looks like a almost like a, a hand laundry iron. It's a it's an aluminum press and you fold you have to fold the, the, the aluminum. Yeah. And the guys who own the company don't like it if you screw up a sheet because it's three bucks or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And and so you have to rough yeah. the bottom line. Yeah. And, and you have to learn how to do that. Yeah. And and you know, but the best day at work I've ever had in my entire life. I was terrible at it, by the way, because <laughs> I, I screwed up more pieces. And, and, and it's a little bit like once you bend something the wrong way, you can't unbend it. You can hide it, but you can't, you, you're, you know, so if they found out the two guys would, you know, kind of kick the shit out of me. Yeah. Um, but um, the best day at work still to this day uh, and I'm 62. The best day I ever had was they left me at a job site with a crowbar, a hammer, and a ladder. And they pointed to a house and said, take all the shingles off. Like, sometimes you have to take the shingles off. You know, yeah. there's no neatness doesn't count. You yeah. just have to rip the shit out. Of, I mean, you, just, you have to do the task. Yeah. And I guess if you have a certain amount of discipline, you don't leave splinters in the shrubbery. And, yeah. and you pull out all the nails along with everything else. And, yeah. and, and there's probably as prosaic as it is, and I'm getting back to kind of the copy example, there's a right way of doing it. There, yeah. There's just like a carpenter would have the right way of joining two pieces of wood together. Yeah. Um, there's probably a sloppy way of doing it and a right way of doing it. And you learn the right way. And yeah. you learn that the little, um, the little bits matter. The, the little finishing details matter. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I, I do, I mean, sometimes I felt, you know, for instance, when I was at Ogilvy, um, when did you start there? When did you, I, I was there twice. Um, and, and I, I was there from 99 to 2004 when okay. I would say it was at its heyday, the Chris wall, yeah, Chris the Boyko, you know, yeah. Steve Hayden heyday. Um, uh, also the rise of the dot coms. Um, and with Hayden's influence and, and IBM's kind of uh, glow, we yeah. were getting dot coms, you know. E-business, you, you, yeah. you coined it. You know? Yeah, you yeah. so it. It, was, it was, as they say, halcyon times. Yeah. And then I went back in um, from 2015 until they fired me. <laughs> and, and it was a different, it was, it was a different place, still a terrific place. Wasn't, but, what was the difference between the two Ogilvy's? That you experience, you know, I, 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 I think about this uh, a lot. I mean, the biggest difference to me in the industry is that we've kind of lost our sense of humor. Um, 
I mean, I don't know about you. You know, I've always gone in and made some jokes and, you know, you kibitz a little bit. Everybody says today, we want storytellers. God forbid you tell a story because everybody's like looking at their watch yeah. and, and, and going, yeah. come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. We have a hard stop. Um, you know, or, they're, this, or, or they're literally working on their computers as you're presenting. Right. So, uh, I mean, talking about what you want to write and they're just, yeah, like, that sounds great. And they're just typing away on there. Yeah. So I think there's this kind of uh, rigidity and, I had heard something long ago, and I, I and I um, I haven't been able to find it again. I'll probably have to wind up kind of thinking it through myself. But I I think you know I've worked at a couple of agencies where the first generation were great creatives, and I I would come in right as the first generation was losing uh, was leaving. And yeah. the second generation was coming in and the second generation had won awards, but there were more stylists than inventors. And, you know, if I had to, and there's a place for stylists, but yeah. you really want your agency shaped by inventors, by people who are inventors, who, who are inventors today. I mean, what, what, what is an inventor as opposed to a I, I think someone who kind of comes up with a campaign, who comes up with something wholly original, a, yeah. a, a new way of thinking about something, uh, as opposed to kind of, an, kind of someone who's more of an executor, decorator, than yeah. let's make things look great, as opposed to let's make things wonderful. And some of that is just when you got there. Right. You, you know, it's, 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 I mean, you know, most of us would give our left arm to work on Nike, but we're always going to, people are always going to say it's not revolution. It's not Bo knows. Um, yeah. You know, so, um, you know, so I, I, I think some of the spark had kind of disappeared by the second time we, we, and, and I think, you know, the vitality and importance of some of the brands uh, that I was working on, I don't want to name names, had kind of diminished over time, that the, the luster had gone, you know, to the Googles, the Amazons, yes. uh, and even back to Microsoft. So the, um, the importance of what some of the brands were doing was not as, as um, there, right. were, there wasn't as much news in the product. Right. Um, and, and so, so I think the work had less vibrancy, had, had a more, um, it was more about execution than about discovery. Yeah. And that, I think that is the key, right? The news portion is like, what is the news? I often come back to when I'm, when I'm working with younger people and they're working on ideas for, uh, things like they forget to put the, yeah, the, the the thing that makes it different, right? The the, yeah. the the news, the communication, you know, I, oh, I want to talk about the thing that you say a lot. And I, I love uh, to hear it from you that the three things that advertising does uh, that you, you're going to, part of your class is going to be, is going to be. Oh, there, right? yeah. Well, let me just finish this thought about news uh, yeah. for one, one sec. Because the, the thing I think that's interesting about that, going back to the beginning of our discussion and, and it's, it, it's a little kind of formulaic in, in the retail space. Yeah. But in retail advertising, if you want to call it advertising. But chances are, 
if you have a new product, you're going to say new wrinkle-free T-shirt. Or you're going to say new longer-lasting soles. Or introducing, you know, a new way to take a bath. You're going to do something that is kind of newsworthy. You're going to look for the news element in the thing. And when the copy for the, for the catalog. Yeah. And, and yeah. sometimes I think we, we need to probe a little harder at that in traditional advertising. Like, what's the thing that gets you, that, that might get you to pay attention to something that you've never really thought about before? The, the, the brand that I was thinking about as we were speaking was what Riney did years and years and years ago for Alamo. You know, there are 8 million miles of roads in Alamo territory and all the miles are free. Any car company could have, any rental car company could have said that. They made it sound like Alamo invented 8 miles of, million miles of roads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they really put it out there as kind of a, I would say, a form of Geico's 15 minutes could save you 15%. Um, you know, there was, there was a little bit of kind of an epigrammatic quality to what they brought forward. Like, you know, here's a new material for a sweatshirt that keeps you warm and keeps you dry. You know, all right, well, that's, that's fine. Um, you know, so they, they found something that made it somewhat, I think, um, more interesting, but back to your uh, question. Yeah. You know, this isn't something I invented. This is something I learned from Dave Trott, the great, you know, English ad man. Um, and basically, um, he tells a story, it's a little gendered where he says, if he's sitting at home in his living room, um, and he wants a cup of tea, he says, Hey, hon. So he gets her attention. Yes. Would you get me a cup of tea? He communicates what he wants. If you do, I'll take out the garbage. Yeah. And so he, he, that's a pretty basic form of communication. There's, right. there's, there, if you were meeting someone at a bar, uh, hi, can I buy you a drink? Um, you know, that's kind of yeah. intrusion or attention, mm-hmm. communication. And then there's persuasion. Yeah. And, and I think those elements, we could probably do an easier job or a better job, a more thorough job, briefing people. If we said, here's the communication. I, I want you to buy, I want you to sign up for this app yeah. uh, that, that makes it easier to pay. And if you do for 60 days, your fees will be reduced in half. Yeah. Most You've dealt with a thousand briefs in your life. I've dealt with a thousand briefs in my life. Hmm. They're rarely that simple. Yeah. As a matter of fact, um, times you have to ask, like, what do we want them to do? Like, is there a number to call? And then they go, oh, yes, we must put it on there. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, usually they they say it to you like you're an idiot because you didn't know that. Yeah. Um, Uh, Well, of course, there's a number to call. Yeah. Uh, And I don't know. And actually, one of the things I think I'll do in my class, um, because when I was, you know, running a, an agency, yeah, I used to 
asked the creative teams, this is something I stole from Leo Burnett. I never worked there, but I read about it. They had a system called Convince That Because. And so convince Tom Chrisman mm -hmm. that he should hire me as a teacher mm -hmm. because I'm really articulate. And, and so my experience as being like a group head or, or, or running a department even is creative people, it doesn't matter if they're 40 or 25, come into your room, uh, office, whatever, your cubicle, uh, with a lot of enthusiasm mm -hmm. and some, you know, some comps or whatever that, that they've been working on for two weeks. Mm -hmm. And they've been focusing on this for two weeks. You have no idea what the assignment is. Mm. Nine times out of 10, especially if it's uh, small. Mm -hmm. um, and they jump right in. And wait, 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 wait. Did you bring the brief? Oh, they didn't bring the brief. Well, what are we trying to do here? And you get like a seven minute discussion. You, mm -hmm. you the viewer, me, yeah. have no idea. Yeah. So I, I, I like guys. Convince um, Ooh, sports yeah. fans right. that they should buy a genuine wool baseball cap because they're authentic looking and will last forever. That's right. your brief. Yeah. Can you help me? Can you do that? Yeah. If you can't do that, the creative is probably not ready. Right. Because you don't have that succinct a synopsis. So that might be idealistic on my part. Um, but but I, I think those disciplines of, of if I'm doing a spot or a print ad, how am I going to get someone's attention? Because metaphorically, we're advertising in Times Square pre-COVID. There right. is, I, I don't know the data, but we all experience it every day. You can't, everything today has an ad on it from uh, the wrapper on a chopstick to a matchbook to your hat to my hat. Yeah. So everything has an ad on it. So how am I, how, how are you not going to fade into the background? So yeah. I, I have to get your attention. Yeah. Just like if you're the white, the white headphones that you have in your ears were, were, a, were a brilliant idea to get people's attention, weren't they? Ex exactly. Because all other headphones were black. They were black um, at the time. Nobody remembers that. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. But, but if one of your kids was upstairs and you wanted him to come in for breakfast, yeah. you'd have to shout, get his attention. Yeah. Come down for breakfast. I'm yeah. going to kick your ass if you're late for school again. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind, of, that's kind of how ads work, too. Yeah, attention, communication, persuasion. Yeah, I mean, I don't know... I mean, I guess you could say if you're doing, if you had a hundred trillion dollars, yeah. maybe you don't, maybe you can do, maybe you can worry less about attention because you're going to do advertising of inundation. Right. <laughs> you know, and I, I grew, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I grew up in an era, you know, where there were even growing up in New York, I think there were seven tv stations yeah and one was pbs so it didn't count there were no commercials yeah but you know if if you were home if you're home sick from school you probably saw a dozen commercials each eight times yeah. I, I, I mean if you 
It's and just now with uh, with with streaming TV, like I, I have Hulu now, and I see the same five ads. And and okay. it's, it's you know what what the other thing is? It's not just the streaming TV and that there's not a lot of inventory. It's that they have targeted me down to like my search terms. So like okay. they only they only serve me certain things, right? Um, right. And you start to see that like your Hulu thinks that you're a certain way or your Hulu thinks that you're an alcoholic or you're, <laughs> you know, well, like, yeah. I mean, the only TV I'll confess that I watch regularly is Jeopardy. Oh, and, it's great. And, it's great. And it's kind of sad that you and I both know, oh, 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 Zambic. Like, <laughs> I, I don't want to know that. <laughs> you know, but they, they got us and they're going to, so, I could argue th- yeah. that, that that's more like inundation than attention because it's so odious. It, yeah. It's not going to get my attention, but it, at some point it's a little bit like Ricola. You notice because it's so bad. Have you, um, ever, have you ever written a jingle? Not, not, not for reals as, the, <laughs> as they, as the kids say. I mean, yeah. I, I, um, Early on, after I left Bloomingdale's, I went to an agency that became low. It was called Marshawk in those days. Um, yeah. And I worked and on real, a, This is your first, like, agency. Agency job, yeah. Uh, and and it, was a, it was a good agency um, that, that had decided they wanted to be a creative agency. They were a TV agency. But, they, but in those days, print was where you won awards. Oh. So they didn't have a lot of print because they had big TV accounts. Um, like what? What were their accounts? They had Sprite. Um, they had Stroh's Beer, uh, Citibank credit cards. So you don't see a lot of print from from those yeah. things. So they hired a bunch of people around my age, 25, and they said, we want you to win awards. Take as much time as you want. As a matter of fact, one year. Wow. That's I worked. A- yeah. It would, yeah. It, unless you're short attention span you want to produce things because you want to build your book uh i worked on a campaign for police suicide which is still a problem yeah um a the iliitis and colitis foundation (laughs) yeah they were all like pro bono things and it was like my portfolio was uh, was like death and stomach pain um but it, it was it was it was good training ground but while I was there, I worked on a packaged goods product called, uh, it was a Nabisco Brands product. Um, A1, the steak sauce, decided to come out with a chicken sauce. It, uh, was, it was right around the time, and my generation didn't grow up with this, where people would make chicken nuggets. I never heard of a chicken nugget. And they dip them. So right. this was like a dipping sauce. Right. And... It's harder than you think if you don't just want to show a chicken and say, now you can dip it. Um, so, you know, just my partner and I in frustration, and I'm very good at rhyming, uh, I, I made up a jingle. It was, you can dunk it, you can dip it, you can even try to sip it. A1 poultry sauce. In case you haven't heard, you can stick it on your bird. A1 <laughs> poultry. So, so, you know, it, it was obviously not going to leave the agency. Um, but it probably would have been. I'm loving it now. <laughs> it probably would have been fabulously successful. I probably yeah. would have. I mean, if you, you, if you, 
Yeah, if you remember, there was an agency called Jordan Tace, Case Taylor McGrath. Yeah. This is back, they probably faded around the time you were you were starting the business. I remember their name, but I don't remember anything about them. Yet. Well, their, their whole, uh, their whole uh, unique selling proposition, if I can use that term, was okay. they did some they, they did something called name monics, not new monics, name monics. Mm. So it was um, you might remember this image, zestfully clean. You would write yeah. a Z in soap sud. Yeah. They always use the product name in in the commercial. So like nobody better better lay a finger on my butterfinger. Yeah. Um. To Tom Tom. They did all that shit. It was it was a way, it, it it's probably an exceedingly successful way yeah. of get of small brands to get known. Yeah, I mean, I think Jerry Graff and you know uh, yeah. would would sort of nod at that. You know, I mean, yeah. his whole thing is like just give the like what I love about his work and a lot of the comedians and Cliff, yeah, Freeman's work. Yeah. Is like two pizzas for ten dollars. Yeah, Who wants that? <laughs> two yeah. pizzas. Let's just say it again and again and again in a funny yeah. way. Uh, yeah, and and, and no visual gags, and you got. You know. Yeah, and and you know this, uh, I, I would imagine you know growing up when I grew up, and and I think it was partly a function of um, fewer networks and fewer commercials, and then partly a function of. I think people were more attuned to kind of the psychological aspects of advertising where they, they would always do mnemonic kind of taglines like whisk around the collar beats ring around the collar. Yeah. Like uh, ring around the collar was a made up thing that advertising yeah. just made. Right. Yeah. And, but you know, it's like, uh, you know, I say to my wife, I've been married for 36 years. You know, another couple of years, I'll forget your name, but I will not forget whisk around the collar. You know, that's in there forever. Um, so, you know, because that's the way these things are. And, yeah. and, and occasionally you'll find yourself humming Ozembe. Uh, <laughs> you know, as awful as it is, it's like this is. The, yeah. But I think as, a, as an industry, uh, uh, we've probably gotten a little bit. Um, a feat uh, and you know, our focus so much is on doing uh, kind of elegant artistic work and we're probably a little less um, acute about doing things like this is gonna get this product known. Yeah. And you know, this is gonna be, well, I don't know what would happen if you were at a really uh, a creative agency and you came in with uh, a goofy jingle though most people you know of a certain age would tell you um jingles really work yeah. um and i'm not suggesting i want to do them and i'm not suggesting they're right for any product for, for every product yeah but you know even something like coke before your time tom you know i'd like to teach the world to sing Sure. That was pretty great stuff. TV, yeah. Yeah, and, um, you yeah. know, uh, but but it would kind of get you shot at today. and You'd never work, uh, <laughs> you know, so um, you, you'd never get it out of the agency. Yeah. 
What were some of the things that you, uh, I, I'm conscious of the fact that we have about 12 minutes left. Oh, I talk a lot. Yeah. I could talk to you for two hours. Yeah. Hour. Likewise. Well, we should, but, uh, but yeah, we'll do, we'll do another one. But, um, what were some of the things that you've learned along the way that maybe, uh, people taking an ad house class or, or people who are ad nerd could, could latch onto and, and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to say this, um, with, with a kind of with a writer's conceit, but I think it's true for a, anyone in the business. Um, and I, I just actually had a conversation um, on Friday night with Gary Goldsmith uh, from you know from Low and Goldsmith Jeffrey, and we had a we had a long by the way. Yeah, exactly. And he he um, probably give him a call. Yeah, he's a terrific guy. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, we've met we've met a couple of times. You know, he he mentioned something um, about he does these things called I'm going to get the name wrong, but it's kind of like an advertising crash course. He does it Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. You know, you know, like 36 hours straight, and class starts Friday night. Saturday, you have to come in with a hundred ideas. Wow. Sunday, they pick the they pick the idea, and by Monday morning, you have to have a campaign across three channels on that idea. Wow. And but the, to answer your question, it's I I I think so, there's a lot of there's too much self censorship, mm. and and sometimes I think as a writer, sometimes I think you're you're stuck or you're not getting along with your partner or you're seeing things slightly differently. And you know what? Maybe you should just type. Maybe you should just say, I'm going to write a story about a guy who, um, you know, I'm doing something for murine eye drops and I'm going to write a, a story about a guy whose eyes are red and he doesn't realize it. And all the terrible things that happened to him because his eyes are red. That could be the dumbest idea in the world. Right. But you could probably do something pretty funny. And, you know, just don't censor it. Okay, now I did the, the red eye story. I'm going to do something about, um, you know, something else with urine. I'm just going to idea, right. idea, idea, idea. And don't try to censor. Just write things down. And sooner or later, depending on how you work with yourself, yeah. Um, you'll find something you like. Yeah. And, you know, some of this is trusting that as much as we all think we're idiosyncratic and original, <laughs> you know, we, we also must have kind of attuned senses of what's interesting or funny or, or real. Yeah. And it must, if it appeals, if I think it's funny, chances are there's going to be some people, some, some other people think it's funny. So it right. can't be that bad an idea. Right. So, um, you know, I, I, I think the one thing I've learned is, is when I started in the business, I worked with a, a bunch of, um, you, you know, I worked with a bunch of people, you know, partners, um, and they, all, they wanted to spend every minute together. And I think sometimes you need to go off your separate ways yeah. and, and come back and say, oh, you know, Tom, this is, this is really dumb. But, you know, what if we did... We, we did this. Yeah. And you go, you know, that, that's right. That yeah. is really dumb. Uh, <laughs> you know, and that's fine. Yeah. 
Yeah. So going away and working on your own. And, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I think some of, some of our business has gotten too, uh, maybe egalitarian that way. Like we're all supposed to work together all the time. Ah, right. Some, you no, know, the, the other thing is that we've, we, it used to be, and, and this is, this is going to sound like a, like an elder talking to the, again, talking down to the kids, but we used to be okay with a little bit of drama and a little bit of like fighting between like partners or, yeah. or like between account people and creatives or, and now there's so much like, uh, tension around that because of the bad actors and the like the people right. who are real assholes that right. little bit of drama becomes this like that can't be we have to stamp that out immediately right. yeah. and guys guys or yeah. you know we're not uh, it's I, I don't i think there's something to having a little bit of like oh you know just a little bit of back and forth just to it, it doesn't have to become this like well i'm quitting you know uh, right right but, just to have a little bit of like pushback on, and I think pushback has become a dirty word, you know? Like yeah. if you say no to, like even if you start negotiating with the account person, well, if I get you the copy by this time, can you, like you become, uh, some people might think of you as, as difficult now. As it, well, and, and, and that is the most, uh, I, I noticed in, in the waning days of my last regular job, um, if someone wants to screw you now, yeah, um, and there's some of that in the yeah, business. Sure. It, it it's the, you would do the same thing today that would have been done to people in the late fifties, early sixties. You know, I think I think Tom is a communist. Right. So, yeah. so so the the way you do it now is God. I mean, Tom is fucking brilliant, but. He is so difficult to work with. All yeah. you have to do is say he is so difficult. You know, no one's no one's going to say just like nobody would say. What do you mean he's? Why do you think he's a communist? Um, <laughs> that Tom difficult to work with. Yeah. And and nobody says well prove it. They they just file it away. And all of a yeah. sudden you're wearing a scarlet D on you that sure. you're that you're difficult to work with. Yeah. And I was like I don't why because I question a brief. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because I, you asked for an X and I gave you an X and a Y. Yeah. Uh, why? Because I, I, I asked you to work a little harder uh, yeah. in selling something. Right. Uh, but yeah, that, that, you know, I, I noticed it. Um, this is a horrible story, but um, there was a thing uh, that I, I actually wrote about on my blog. Um, I had read an article we were doing one of these things at Ogilvy. Uh, you know, the uh, 360 reviews or whatever, and we're asking uh, supervisors to uh, take a training course or something. Right. And I had read an article in the journal um, about how some smart companies, not advertising agencies, but like Pixar, started looking for people who were discontent in previous jobs. Mm. And if you think about discontent in an agency setting, it doesn't go. Yeah. And the point of this article was a lot of people are discontent because they see ways of fixing things. Mm. And there's a uh, energy in not fixing them. Um, <laughs> and so I sent the article to HR along with a quote from, um, David Ogilvy that said, you know, we look for rebels 
and malcontents and mischief makers. That's where creativity comes from. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's and, and, and I can share all this with you. And, and I, yeah, and, and I get this note back from HR. We're looking for collaborative agitators. That makes no sense. Yeah. What is a collaborative agitator? Collaborative agitator is not collaborative until after the fact. I mean, you, yeah. you might say that George Washington was a collaborative agitator, but ask King George that in 1780. Right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> was he collaborative? Was he a collaborative agitator? Yeah. To me. Yes. I mean, it's just this, this, I don't know if it's, I mean, I'm not, I don't know anyone who's a fan of HR except HR people. Um, and, and, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, a lot of this is this like HRing where you have to have to get along and be genial and, yeah. And be a bridge builder. Right. That's not the business we're in. We're in a lot of the business we're in is, is upsetting. The yeah, disrupting. I mean, I mean, Carl Alley from Alley and Gargano or Carl Alley before that used to say, we're supposed to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. So if you think about it, afflict the comfortable is you know, you're spending another weekend home watching TV. Well, maybe you should go out and ride a bike. So comfort the afflicted is you scrape your knee riding a bike. Here's a, here's a soothing gel. Um, You know, that's kind of what we, we do, Mm -hmm. but you know, comforting the comfortable is, is not a job for advertising. They're already comfortable. We're supposed to make people I mean, my one trick as a creative person, I have one trick. Uh-oh. Is to look at things upside down. It's just to turn things upside down. Literally turn the page upside down when you're looking no, at No, no, just like if somebody's, um, the example I always use is if, if Adidas wrote, nothing is impossible, you wouldn't remember it. They said right. impossible is nothing. Right. Y- you know, it's, it's turning something on its head and going, how can I look at this differently to yeah. make it memorable? Yeah. And, and there's, a, there's an art to that. Yeah. Um, and, and that's really all we're supposed to do. I and mean, it takes time to your point about uh, speed and, and the fact that uh, I know you've yeah. that as well, that everybody needs something tomorrow. But to look at something and to really look at it and to really get into it and to really be thinking about it takes your brain, even if you're not doing it all the time, you can think about it for 30 minutes today, right. 30 minutes this afternoon, 30 minutes tomorrow. And, but you need those space, the space in between to, for your brain to do all the back work. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, this, I, I, I have a call at 10 too, but, um, you know, I, I, I think a lot about, um, you know, Starry Night by Van Gogh. Yeah. And that's not what stars look like. Right. <laughs> the, the, those might be what stars look like if you're thinking about the mystery and the ethereal quality and what's out there and, and, how it can be freaky at night to see a hundred million stars. That's yeah. what stars look like to Van Gogh. But yeah. they didn't, he didn't wake up one day and go, I'm going to paint these crazy motherfucking stars. You know, he, he just, he, he saw some. Yeah. The, saw. You know, over time that, that, that created a new way of looking at something. Yeah. And, you know, that to me is, and I know we, we have to do 
chicken sauce and, <laughs> and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, it's not, it's not Van Gogh, but uh, we still have to, we, we, we have to say there's a, there's, some, there's a new way of looking at something or you'll never try anything new. Yeah, that's great. You know, Very inspiring. And, oh, good. And I, and I know we have, we have both have 10 o'clock. So uh, thank you so much for coming Tom, on. Tom, it was great. It was great talking to a human. So that was my talk with George Tannenbaum. Um, I could talk to that guy every day. His class is going great and he continues to be available for select projects. And you can sign up to get his blog delivered to you at georgetannenbaum.com. That's George, T-A-N-N-E-N-B-A-U-M.com. I recommend his, his uh, if nothing else, get his uh, blog and, and read it every day because it's great. I'm Tom Chrisman. You can reach me at tomchrisman.net. I write pretty good and stuff. Uh, this has been The A-List, brought to you by Ad House Advertising School. Sign up to get all the latest and greatest at adhousenyc.com. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.